As climate disasters increase, so do government subsidies for fossil fuels. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Emperor penguins are the largest penguin species found today and have adapted to survive in Antarctic temperatures that can drop to 58 degrees below zero with winds over 120 miles per hour. But the animals need ice for their young to survive. Unfortunately, a new study shows that up to 10,000 chicks died last year because the ice beneath them melted before they were able to develop their waterproof feathers, and it's likely they either drowned or froze. The British Antarctic Survey concluded that no chicks survived in four of the five colonies, and their findings support the prediction that, based upon global warming trends, 90% of emperor penguins will be quasi-extinct, meaning there are not enough to support a population, by the end of the century. After their eggs hatch in the harsh Antarctic winter, the chicks remain on the ice until waterproof feathers replace their fluffy down. However, the BBC reports that if the ice is not extensive or breaks up fast, the birds don't have a stable platform for their young to develop. Last year, the sea ice was at a record low, and some areas of the Bellingshausen Sea had a 100% loss of ice. One of the researchers told the BBC that there is hope for the penguins if we can cut our carbon emissions that cause warming. The need to curb greenhouse gas emissions is urgent as weather disasters like wildfires, heat waves, and flooding are now becoming normal. But rather than retreating from their support for fossil fuels, governments around the world are adding fuel to the fire by increasing subsidies for them, which rose last year by a record $7 trillion. According to the International Monetary Fund, support for oil, coal, and natural gas is almost twice the amount spent on education. The subsidies surged as governments reacted to the spike in energy prices caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. A significant portion of the subsidies reduced prices consumers have to pay for fuels. Among fossil fuels, coal was heavily subsidized. 80% was sold at less than half its true cost. The IMF report warns that governments are also implicitly subsidizing fossil fuels by failing to account for the costs of damage from global warming and air pollution. The organization said that to keep the world on track to restrict global warming to below 2 degrees Celsius, subsidies must end. Doing so would also prevent more than 1.6 million deaths a year while increasing government revenues by trillions of dollars. When the Panama Canal opened in 1914, it was considered a feat of human engineering. A series of locks along a 50-mile-wide isthmus allowed ships to travel between the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. But now, as the planet's heating up, the canal's future is uncertain. The locks rely on fresh water from lakes, about 50 million gallons per ship, to raise or lower vessels as they move through the system. Unfortunately, this year's rainy season has failed to deliver, and drought conditions have caused lake levels to drop. That's forced authorities to restrict how many ships can pass through the locks and to require vessels to lighten their loads to sit less deeply in the water. Making matters worse, the El Nino phenomenon has arrived and could exacerbate the dry-hot conditions into next year. Currently, there are around 200 ships waiting on either end of the canal to enter, and given the passageway typically handles 40% of all U.S. container traffic, 
there are growing concerns about supply chain disruptions. Adding to the transport woes, dry conditions are lowering water levels along the Mississippi River region, which could slow barge traffic just as harvest season gets underway. Ironically, cargo ships run on heavy bunker fuels that contribute to the climate crisis and the extreme conditions. The industry has promised to achieve net zero targets around 2050, but CO2 emissions from global shipping rose last year following a dip in 2020. And finally, next time you're at a coffee shop, no matter what you order, your cup of joe could be a double shot, helping both to combat the climate crisis and to protect the environment. That's because researchers have found a way to take used coffee grounds to make concrete reducing the amount of coffee waste that would otherwise go to landfills and release methane, a climate-warming gas more potent than carbon dioxide. Better still, by substituting coffee for the sand typically used to make concrete, less of that finite resource will be harvested from rivers, thereby preventing the environmental degradation mining causes those ecosystems. Scientists from the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology in Australia developed their technique by roasting spent coffee grounds into a charcoal-like substance called biochar. They say the end product worked as well as sand and made concrete 30% stronger. Given that 60 million tons worldwide of coffee grounds are generated annually and 50 billion tons of natural sand are used in construction projects globally every year, your morning jolt could soon give a boost to making concrete more sustainable. That's it for this week in water. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.